everybody. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. It is Thursday. Oh, my goodness. Thursday, September 12th. Football is already back. And that, that, that didn't take very long. It feels like football just left. And then it turns right back around. That's the beauty of two Monday night games and a Thursday game. This is the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. Actually, seven times per week now that we've added a Monday preview and a Thursday preview. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. I'm sleep-deprived, and I don't care. This is a blast. Joining us. Uh, we'll probably maybe soon be video one day, but for all the shows, but right now, just audio. Brian McFadden from his, uh, luxurious palisade in, uh, in Atlanta. What's going on? What's up, Will? Happy to be with you guys. It should be fun. And for the record, I have no idea if your house is luxurious, but it does look nice in the background. Thank uh, you for making me feel good. <laughs> and, uh, joining us from the luxurious Fort Lauderdale studio, podcast studio, where, uh, he has a giant state of combat, uh, thing behind him. You should check out State of Combat, by the way. If you're into wrestling and fighting and punching people, boxing and whatnot, uh, I think Adam Silverstein and Brian Campbell do a great job with that podcast, part of the CBS Sports Digital Podcast Network. It's Heath Cummings. Hey, Heath. Wait, you've never been to VMAX else? I I thought that uh, like we all go over there all the time and hang out, yeah, watch football and stuff. I, why, why hey, Heath, what happens? You know, Will always has an excuse. You know, he's <laughs> busy. He has to go here. He has to go there. I think it's more so because he's an NC State Wolfpack and I'm a Florida State Seminole. So I think that has a lot to do with it. An interesting, uh, interesting comment to be making here in week three of the college football season, VMAC. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, uh, I actually really liked the Florida State over this year. I thought you guys would have a big year. I did. I'm serious. And I, I took, I took y'all against Boise State and, um, Willie Taggart. It's too soon, Will. Can we just move on? We, we can. We can move on. We can move Thanks. on to football. Uh, we have some breaking news. Um, Coming out as right as we we're about to record this podcast, we'll dive right into it. It is unfortunate for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. They have announced that Hunter Henry has suffered a tibia plateau fracture in his left knee during Sunday's game against the Colts. Hunter Henry, of course, tore his ACL prior to the 2018 season Heath, and now it appears that we may end up getting one game into – we don't know. They haven't played some injury reserve. They haven't announced that. But this is the type of injury that, that typically does not uh, involve a return. If he it, if it did return, certainly probably not for the fantasy season. I would guess, like, best-case scenario, you'd be looking at week 12 or week 13, best case for Hunter Henry uh, returning after after this injury. This is a pretty big blow both for the Chargers and for fantasy owners, yes? This is terrible in every single way. Um just as it looked like the tight end position was starting to get a little bit deeper with some breakouts from Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson. We had OJ Howard and Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram in that second tier. Henry has always, for the last four years now, been a guy that I thought had tremendous potential in this offense. For the first year or two, it was Antonio Gates holding him back. Then it was the ACL. Now it's this. It's just awful. Yeah. Um, you know, BMAC, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what you know about a tibial plateau fracture, but uh, it doesn't sound good. Yeah, and what do you think this does for this offense? Because Hunter Henry wasn't a huge part of it, but he made some big plays uh, uh, against you know against the Colts in that win by the Chargers. Philip Rivers looked. I mean, this this Chargers team looked like it had the. The, the the feel of a team that was going to do some serious damage this season, and, and now you get that little spidey sense about all these injuries adding up, right? Yeah, this has been the storyline for the, for the Los Angeles Chargers for quite some time, even when they were still playing in San Diego. 
I mean, off-season injuries are early-season injuries to key play, players, and this has really uh, hampered their opportunities of being extremely successful. Now getting a, like Heath mentioned, a guy with a lot of potential, now he's out once again. I mean, now as far as the depth at that position, Virgil Green probably would emerge to be the starting tight end, and then you lack any depth behind Green. I wouldn't be surprised if they reach out to Antonio Gates once again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, you know what's you know what's kind of insane is like I was just reading our blurb on uh, just just hear me out, hear me out here on this this blurb. This is literally two minutes ago posted to Hunter Henry's fantasy page on CBSSports.com. A time frame for Henry's return has not yet been determined, but it's clear that he's going to miss some action. Next up for the t- t- team's tight end look is Virgil Green, and it wouldn't shock us if the team reached out to Antonio Gates in short order. BMAC, are you writing fantasy blurbs for CBSSports.com? Not yet, but I think I should be a, a substitute here or there. Now, now I will say that Gronk yesterday tweeted the eyeball emojis. Mm, but and, you know why? And the, the Chargers are very nice, so maybe he he's interested in the Los Angeles Chargers. No, Will, you're giving me this look like there's no chance that's what it is. Yeah, so the <laughs> eyeball emoji – well, no, I, I, I know it's not because the eyeball emoji – was actually Gronk's way of letting everyone know he was appearing on Pardon My Take today. And, in fact, Gronk, I listened to the interview, uh, Big Cat and PFT talked to him, and um, Gronk actually wants to eliminate 69 jokes. I'm dead serious. He thinks we should, uh, he thinks we've gotten, we've gone too far with 69 jokes and that they are, they're becoming too forced and he wants them to, I, I, I promise you this is part of the conversation. But he also said the eyeball emoji was, it was designed to make people think he might think about returning, but really it was just letting people know that he was going on PMT. Hmm. So, which is a thing I explained in 2019 as an adult male father of a child doing a podcast. Anyway, uh, Heath, if you were looking at possible replacements, um, the, the, the timing of this is particularly bad because anyone who had Hunter Henry, you know, just, I mean, look, from a fantasy perspective, it stinks because if this had come out yesterday, if this come out on Tuesday, you, I would have bumped Darren Waller up to my top waiver claim or, um, moved somebody else up. Are there tight ends out there still after this waiver process that you would identify as, as potential replacements? Cause I'm in the league where I've got t- Hunter Henry, I'm looking at, and it is, uh, bare bones. Well, it's, it's interesting because there are a lot of tight ends owned in like 60 to 80% of leagues. Uh, Jimmy Graham, Darren Waller, Austin Hooper, Mark Andrews. So in 20 to 40% of leagues, those guys are available and that's, that's your first priority is go see if one of those guys available. If, if they're not, uh, Greg Olson is available in more than half of leagues. Now he's also got a little bit of an injury he's dealing with, but I was very encouraged by his target share. Uh, nine targets in his first game back. We know how much Cam likes to lean on him. Great matchup against Tampa Bay. That's more of a short-term fix for the long term. Chris Herndon, 15% owned, three more weeks of suspension to serve, and then I would anticipate that he will be one of Sam Darnold's favorite targets in the second half of the season. That's a, uh, that's a great call. I, um, I noticed that OJ, OJ Howard, I don't think he got, he didn't get, I don't think he got injured. Maybe he got just a little banged up. Cameron Braid, if something happened to him, would obviously be a nice guy to go and uh, to try and help pick up. The other thing I would say, too, Heath, is that uh, Ian Thomas, if for some reason Greg Olson does not play and you have Hunter Henry on your team, like if if, if Greg Olson is ruled out on Thursday night, maybe run to the waiver wire and grab Ian Thomas as a, as a plug-and-play flyer. And for as long as Jordan Reed remains out, we talked about this last week, 
Vernon Davis, now sure. 12 times in the last two years that he's received four targets. Ten of those 12 times, he scored 9.5 fantasy points. That's a starting tight end. BMAC was – is Vernon Davis – Vernon Davis might be older than, like, you and me. Mm, mm, Vernon – I played against Vernon Davis when he was in Maryland. <laughs> you did. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's 35. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he guy. was on that team uh, my last year playing Maryland. They had Sean Merriman, um, oh. Vernon Davis. Uh, they had a few pro players on that team. I saw – I interviewed Merriman at the first Super Bowl I ever covered at Radio Rev. And I was like, yeah, man. I was like, uh, I'm an NC State guy. I was like, you got Rivers on the team, right? He's like, oh, you're an NC State guy? He's like, we own you. And they did the lights out thing in my face. I was like, thank you, <laughs> Sean. That's, that's, uh, you are correct. Maryland does own us. And, uh, yeah. that is disappointing. Um, hey, Heath, a question for you, uh, talking about the tight ends. Um, what do you feel about Noah Fant? What are your thoughts about Noah Fant? Oh, I love Noah Fant. I think he has the talent to be a top 10, top 12 tight end in this league. Um, he's going to have to have a quarterback first, though. I was not impressed by Joe Flacco in that game, and I wasn't really impressed by their offensive game plan. I mean, it started off with running the end around with Noah Fant, and it didn't get a lot better after that. Yeah. Uh, one more name I'll throw out, and well, actually two more names. Um, he only saw two targets, but Jack Doyle, I don't know, Jacoby Brissett seemed to like him, and he had made a nice play. So I think that's a, maybe you're just praying for a touchdown at that point or – uh, you know, some Eric Ebron regression. And then, dare I say he, speaking of old dudes, Jason Witten? Um, I'm going to go with the young dude that uh, BMAC suggested and Noah Fant over either of those two options. But, listen, if once you get past Noah Fant or Vernon Davis, that group, you're just praying they score a touchdown. And there are, sure. there are dozens of tight ends that might score a touchdown. Blake Jarwin also scored one in the same, same game as Jason Witten. Man, an already thin position is getting even thinner. All right, uh, to the unfortunate news that came out on Tuesday evening as well involving new Patriots wide receiver Antonio Brown. I would caution anyone listening to this that uh, we have rec- we are recording this podcast at 3, uh, 3 o'clock p.m. on Wednesday. This is an extremely fluid set- uh, situation involving Antonio Brown. He uh, had a, a civil lawsuit filed against him in the southern uh, district of Florida on a, on a federal level, uh, accusing him of sexual assault and rape. And the, uh, Patriots have issued, they issued a statement on Tuesday night. Bill Belichick did a press conference on Tuesday afternoon. He did not say anything as Bill Belichick often does. He declined to answer any questions. He said Antonio Brown would practice on Wednesday. He did not indicate whether or not Antonio Brown would play on Sunday for the Patriots. Uh, Drew Rosenhaus appeared on ESPN and said that he was aware or at least they kind of knew this might be coming before Antonio Brown signed with the Patriots. There's some cloudy stuff involving that. We don't have to get into it right now. Um, from a, you know, look, it's, it's not a good situation. Antonio Brown is denying all charges. He has said that uh, they're all false, and his attorney has said that anything that occurred was completely consensual. So that's all sort of playing out, and because it's so fluid, we don't really want to dive into the specifics of it. I, I do think it is worth having a discussion on this podcast as we talk about football and fantasy football. Um, Heath, how are you approaching it? I mean, like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't personally own any Antonio Brown on any of my teams. Um, and I think that the Patriots will probably hold him out on Sunday because it's a really bad look unless things are clarified before then. And that seems unlikely again, given the time frame. it is also possible that the league will put him on the commissioner's exempt list. The NFL has said it is investigating it. There has never been, uh, as far as we know, someone placed on that exempt list 
who was uh, was involved in a civil trial instead of a criminal trial. So that's a little fuzzy there. But is there you would not play Antonio Brown? You would not start Antonio Brown in a lineup this week, I assume. Yeah, I've I'm pretty much taking a no action action on this i'm not trying to go buy low i'm not trying to sell them i don't actually have money teams but i wouldn't suggest that you do that i don't think we have enough information to do anything as far as if he plays like first off there's a game the thursday night game anybody playing in that game you're playing over antonio brown because we just don't know if he was active i'm still not convinced that he would have a large enough role in his first game for the patriots you look back at last year they traded for josh gordon during the season, his first game with the Patriots, he got two targets. He got four targets the next week. And then in the third game, he got nine. So they've got so many weapons there. They don't need him to beat the Dolphins. I I have no intention of starting him, and I don't think anyone else should. Mac, any uh, thoughts as to whether or not he suits up for the Patriots this week, given all that's going on in the in the background here? Yeah, that that's a tough question, Will, because, you know, we don't have all the information. Um, and I, I would imagine as, you know, the week goes on, we probably will get more information. Hearing that he practiced today, they anticipate Antonio practicing tomorrow. Um, and tomorrow's the last hard day. You know, Thursday's more of a walkthrough type of feel. So hearing that he practiced today, he's in the game plan. They plan on using him. Now, if he practices tomorrow and nothing comes about as far as new information from the NFL saying that he won't play, I believe he will play Sunday. Mm. If he plays tomorrow and there's no new information regarding this situation, I think he will play Sunday. Now, the opportunities, like he just mentioned, big big point with the New England Patriots because they spread the football around so much. But the thing about the New England Patriots, they're very, very smart. They make They take calculated steps. So if he's in this game plan going into Friday practice, I believe they feel like they know he's going to play. Okay. I, that, no, I think that's a good call. I will say this, that previously we had talked about on this podcast, I believe that the Patriots would attempt to get him involved because when you sign a guy of his uh, ego and his uh, status, you want to make sure he's happy in the first game. I, I sort of lean now towards the Patriots might be fine not having him involved and not having him celebrating in the end zone in Miami. Just a thought there. So uh, I'm with Heath. I'm not playing him at all. Um, we'll have more Antonio Brown stuff as this all unfolds throughout the, the week and the coming weeks. In the meantime, week one, what did we learn about from week one, Heath? What, uh, what was your number one takeaway from a fantasy perspective? I, that's the most difficult question to answer because th there are just dozens of things that happened during week one that none of us expected to happen or 10 percent of us expected to happen and it's the most the biggest challenge these first couple weeks of the season are knowing where to change your priors and where to say it was just one game it's going to be fine so i'll tell you one thing that i think i learned because it confirms something i thought before the season that's what we do right Lamar Jackson. Yeah, we're here for confirmation. Bias, Lamar baby. Jackson has improved as a passer. I'm not going to say that he's an all pro quarterback now. Uh, this was not a very good defense that he was facing, but he made some throws and some reads in that game that he did not make last year. He has a couple of rookie wide receivers now that are more talented or at least faster than what he was dealing with last year. The offensive scheme 
looks so much better than what he was dealing with last year. All of my hopes for Lamar Jackson to be a top five fantasy quarterback look like they're still at least possible. Mm. What'd you take away, BMAC, from uh, Lamar Jackson's play? I mean, is this a sustainable offense? How would you how would you <laughs> feel about having to defend that? Like, because it well, it, uh, sustaining fifty plus points not going to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was extremely surprised with how well he stood in the pocket. Now, he was extremely relaxed and comfortable in the pocket because the Dolphins could never put pressure on him. But with mobile quarterbacks, athletic quarterbacks, they have a a clock in their heads, and then usually it's only two seconds that they're allowed to count before taking off and running. Lamar Jackson was standing in the pocket four or five seconds. Um, can this offense be deadly? Yes, because we know eventually they will incorporate Lamar running the football as well. They didn't have to do so against the Miami Dolphins, and that's why I believe so many fantasy experts are high on Lamar Jackson when it comes to the fantasy implications because – we feel like he has improved as a passer, but he still can run. So the element of providing fantasy points with his arm or legs is huge when it comes to fantasy football. And you're talking about a quarterback and especially red zone running for Lamar Jackson with the zone read, read option attack in the red zone gives him another element of getting into the end zone with his legs outside of throwing passes. So this offense, man, I don't know. I, it's hard to really dissect what this offense is because the Dolphins are just that that bad. They play bad football. Mm-hmm. For the first time, guys, for the first time, I really felt like what we saw Sunday between the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins might be the closest thing we would see to an NFL team playing against a college team. I, I think you're probably right on that. And speaking of a college team, the Arizona Cardinals are coached by a college coach. Cliff Kingsbury. They didn't look very good for the first three quarters, but they finally made a run. And uh, before I be back, I'm going to ask you about their, their offense and David Johnson, how he looked. But I would like to take a, a small victory lap here for for me and Heath before I take the L on the on the uh, when the under hits on uh, on, on Sunday. Uh, Heath and I on Monday were like, he tweeted, "It's like the over under for Arizona Baltimore is 42," and and tweeted that it seemed odd, and I was like, "That's just wrong." And so we were like, this should be way higher. And we, we tweeted about it. It ran all the way up to 47. Five points. It moved five points. Heath and I, I mean, I don't want to say Heath and I moved at five points just by tweeting about it, but it might have happened. Oh, not by um, tweeting about it. It was our money. That's, well, yeah. Well, yeah. Believe me, the units I did put on that did not move it up to 47. <laughs> uh, it has since seen a little bit of buyback down to 46 and a half, which is kind of scary. I should have probably gotten in on that window. Um, but, uh, the, um, question for you, BMAC, I have is, did you think that David Johnson was uh, was back to being David Johnson in this Cliff Kingsbury offense? Uh, yeah, yeah, but the issue I have with Cliff Kingsbury and how they're using David Johnson, they're not using him enough when it comes to running the football. 18 carries for 82 yards, pretty good average. David Johnson has to get at least 24 touches running for this offense to be successful. Now, he also caught six passes. So I like that element as far as using his versatility to catch footballs. But allow David Johnson to do what David Johnson has been put on this earth to do, which is running the football. 54 passes for a rookie quarterback, that will not get the job done. And don't allow these numbers from Kyler Murray to really fool you. The fourth quarter where the Detroit Lions decided not to play any defense at all or attempt to play any defense is where he provided the most production Kyler Murray that is 
if he did not have the fourth quarter that he had, and oh, by the way, the overtime, his numbers were extremely bad. So for me, I think his offense can be pretty good, but it's not about Kyler Murray. I think it's more so about David Johnson because in my opinion, he is the best offensive player they have. You know, it was interesting because Ben Gretsch was on the Fantasy Football Today podcast. And I don't know, Will, if you've heard too much from Ben yet, but he is really, he's a smart dude and he yeah. is very into advanced numbers and talk, spends a lot of time talking about air yards and pace and things like that. And I think these, these Arizona Cardinals, first off, think the results of this game changed absolutely no one's mind because if you were skeptical about this offense, the first three quarters are all the evidence you need. And if you believe in this offense, the fourth quarter and overtime is all the evidence that you need. It's perfect for every, like the tie was perfect because there are no <laughs> victory laps yet. And we get to slash Matt Patricia for, but, for, for disaster. He, he was awful. It was almost as bad as the Texans on that final drive against Drew Brees, but maybe we'll get to that at some point. I, the thing I would say is they did run an extremely fast-paced offense. No team had fewer seconds between snaps than they did. They did wing the ball down the field, I believe 500 air yards or something for Kyler Murray. I don't believe that's they were actually good. And so that that's what we talked about this morning on the podcast, is Ben basically has the theory that if NFL teams do all these things that we think are the most efficient things they should, they can do, it does not matter if they're actually good because they're going to produce fantasy points they did in this game largely because of overtime. The one thing I'll say about BMAC and David Johnson, I don't necessarily disagree that they need to run the ball um, a little bit more than they did at a higher rate. But for David Johnson's fantasy value, the fact that he lined up as a wide receiver on 15 snaps and only did that 16 times all year last year, his great year in fantasy was when they were lining him up more as a wide receiver. So I don't know that it's necessarily the right thing for the offense. We'll find that out as it, as it goes along. For David Johnson's value, him lining up out wide, as long as they throw it to him, is about the best thing they could do. Yeah, and I would say, too, that with David Johnson, seven targets and six catches, one of those that touchdown on that great wheel route, which, I mean, G JFC, Steve Wilkes, and, and Mike McCoy, you couldn't run one of those last year. Uh, and then you look at his next-gen uh, uh, stat chart in terms of like his the runs he actually made. I mean, they, they used him outside. Uh, they used him on draws. They, you know, they, they, they let him get horizontal to sort of spread the defense out and then cut up, whereas last year you would just see – the Arizona Cardinals run him into the middle of the line over and over again in a very frustrating way. Uh, one defense, one offense that does not run uh, people into the line, the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, a, a offensive genius, and um, another injury. By the way, the, the team that I, I know people care about my teams. It's like not a, it's not a podcast unless I talk about my fantasy teams. Uh, the same team with Hunter Henry, it has Tyreek Hill. So not great, Bob. Um, the Tyreek Hill injury, Heath, do you think – how do you think – Andy Reid will approach this. Does this mean that Sammy Watkins takes over the Tyreek Hill role? Does Miko Hardman take over the Tyreek Hill role? Does it change or downgrade the Chiefs offense for you at all? I, the key here is how they split up the targets. Because they're going to be good. They're going to score a ton, ton of points. They're going to pick up a ton of yards. I don't think it really like. Ty, I'm not going to say Tyreek Hill doesn't matter. But he's not going to slow this offense down, him being gone. What we saw against Jacksonville, I think, is pretty close to what we'll see without him. This has been one of the more consolidated offenses in terms of the way they distribute their targets. 50 to 55% of the targets go to two players, Kelsey and Hill. 
This week, I've got 50% of the targets going to two players, Kelsey and Watkins. For the time being, I think the third wheel in that passing game is Damian Williams. Maybe they shift a little bit of the rushing production to LaShawn McCoy, use Williams more in the passing game. I do believe there's an opportunity for Mecole Hardman to work his way into this offense and maybe maybe earn five or six targets per game. The problem for him is I don't think he's quite ready yet. And by the time he is ready, Tyreek Hill might be back. Yeah, and to Heath's point, you know, talking about how Pat Mahomes distributed the football, only 33 attempts but 25 completions, Sammy Watkins had nine receptions on 11 targets. Travis Kelsey, who clearly Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey could not get on the same page, eight targets for three receptions, and then Damian Williams, six targets for six six receptions. And after that, I mean, Sherman had one target for one reception. McCoy, one target for one reception, uh, one reception. So a bunch of one, one, ones after that. So the top three guys, based on what he just mentioned, clearly Watkins, Kelsey, and Williams going forward. So I don't know if Miko Hartman could potentially emerge. I think this is a wait and see approach outside of those top three guys to see who, who actually could show up to be another, uh, uh, solid pass catcher. I will say this, just, um, while, you know, while we're talking about Miko Hardman, uh, Adam Levitan of Established to Run noted on, uh, on Monday, after Ty, so, you know, this is aided by Tyreek Hill's injury. Miko Hardman played on 53 of 59 snaps against the Jaguars. That's, uh, that's pretty good. That's a lot of time out there. Now, he had 22 in the slot and finished with zero catches on just one target. That would be the concerning thing. But I think that, you know, if you're looking at taking a flyer and plug it, grabbing somebody on your bench, a wide receiver with upside, you know, a guy who's got, Clearly the skill set, but maybe not just the, you know, the mental game. He's still a rookie. Get ready. Uh, I would be, I mean, I would still be interested in Miko Hardman. I grab, he went unclaimed in almost every league that I'm in and I, I went out and tried to grab him. So I have, I have no problem if you want to scoop him up. I'm trying to think exactly what, do you know, do you remember what the score was when Tyreek Hill got injured? Cause it was, it was uh, not out of control, but it was, I mean, the Chiefs were definitely up pretty big. Yeah. Because they finished the first quarter, what, 17 seven. He went out in the first quarter. So I want to say 14, yeah. 14-0 or something like that or Yeah. I think that's I think that's probably right. I was trying I I was trying to find the the game log where he was injured and and unfortunately it's really difficult because uh, Tyreek Hill and Juan Thornhill both play for the uh for the Chiefs. So if you search for Hill, you're you're getting kind of banged there. Uh let's move on. From the guys who brought you Ad Nick Chubb and stash him all season and one New Year Fantasy League. That was me and Heath last year. Um, we told you to, well, we did that on this podcast, right, Heath? Absolutely, 100%. We did. Yeah, we did. We told everybody, go get Nick Chubb in your league and sit him on your bench, and he's going to be awesome, and you're going to win your league, and then he helped you win your fantasy league. That's why people are listening to this show or something. Um, who are some guys? I think Chubb was an early early season guy, Heath, where – and you you had a great tweet about this, and I included our rundown – Look, go look and see who got dropped after week one, right? Because some people get impatient. Like, I mean, I did it too. I dropped Daryl Henderson in leagues, and I know I'm going to regret it at some point this year. Yeah, and just go look at that tweet and then look at the responses to that tweet. I mean, it wasn't Daryl Henderson is well down the list of ridiculous people that were dropped after week one. Um, The names, I think, that obviously fit the best, if you want to talk about a guy in that position, a rookie running back who may find himself in a feature role by midseason, Daryl Henderson is one of them. Sorry, you dropped him, Will. A guy that I put in a couple claims for, Justice Hill in Baltimore. People all, all of a sudden were surprised that Darwin Thompson didn't get touches in week one, I guess. And so 
He was dropped in a lot of leagues. Those are the big three. Guys that were drafted, depending on what time of the offseason you're talking about, somewhere in round 8, 9, 10, and then we get to week one, they don't produce, they're gone. Mm-hmm. And the thing with Darwin Thompson, too, in fact, uh, in this league, again, this league where it's a really competitive league with uh, we, Tyreek Hill and, and Hunter Henry got hurt. I owned it with a buddy. He, he was like, well, I'd rather drop Thompson. He's two injuries away. It's like, well, maybe. It might be one injury away. What if LaShawn McCoy gets hurt? He's the leading rusher. Like, this is the potential RB1 in Andy Reid's offense. Why Why would we not just drop this, like, like I was arguing with it between Darwin Thompson and, and Josh Allen. Like, oh. get rid of it. Get Josh Allen out of my life. I've got one more name, too. Alexander yeah. Madison ran yeah. like his hair was on fire in week one. Dalvin Cook has yet to make it through a full NFL season. And Mike Zimmer does not want to have any forward passes if he does not have to. So uh, there is huge opportunity for Madison. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing, too, is like when you when you look at these rookie running backs, Madison, Darwin Thompson, I mean, of course they're not getting huge carries in, in numbers in week one and huge snap counts. They're behind somebody. But it's the mm-hmm. second that injury happens, right, BMAC, that's when all of a sudden these guys, like the running back position, if there's one spot you can jump in and play and produce at a high level, if you're a talented running back, it, it's that position, right? Uh, no question. Also, too, you know, talking about backups that could really see their role change based on injury plague running backs starting in front of them. This guy has been has been pretty durable. And I'm talking about Alvin Kamara. But what about Latavius Murray? I mean, he really got some opportunities uh, this past Monday night, not as much as Mark Ingram. But one thing I was surprised to see from the Saints and how they used him, they were throwing him the football. Um, now, if he can sustain that, throughout the season. I mean, he could be a pretty good backup option or flex flex option, you know, on, on your fantasy team because they will feature two backs in that, in that offense. That's one thing we know for sure. Uh, BMAC, I also want to ask you real quickly because I think the other guy that got dropped a ton that I think could work out really well uh, for people, James Washington and maybe Dante Moncrief. Two, two Steelers. The Steelers had a Look, the Steelers had a no good game on Sunday night in, in, in New England. Um, a, do you think they bounce back against Seattle? I think Jamie Eisenberg, I don't want to reveal the start of the, start of the week, but uh, it might involve the Steelers. Uh, and, uh, so do you think they bounce back, BMAC? And who do you see maybe, uh, developing Washington or Moncrief as that number two option for Big Ben? Yeah, I think they bounce back because, you know, playoff caliber teams don't usually have two bad outings back to back. Um, they play against the best team in the National Football League in the New England Patriots. We all believe the Patriots will find a way to get back into that Super Bowl uh, in Miami, and they showed that Sunday. You play against Seattle, though. Seattle traveling cross-country. We know how sometimes that could affect West Coast teams. But I think not playing a lot in the preseason really hurt the the, the rhythm of the offense. And to answer your second question, I think it's Dante Moncrief, and here's why. he's James Washington right now is like a one-trick pony. When you look at the game Sunday, the only time he was getting target was on a deep ball. You have to find a way to be uh, impactful running more than one route. And so far, that has been his calling card in this offense, which is going deep. I believe D- Dante Mon- uh, Moncrief, even though he had the drops Monday night, he's more, he's, more, he's more versatile when it comes to running routes. And I think knowing the money they gave him, they would like to see that investment pan out and they're going to give him opportunities to really do so heath uh quickly before we go to break yes or no on moncrief add or add dropper stash moncrief and uh washington i am i like i think you have to say drop just because that's all he did on on sunday night right (laughs) yes that's true then (laughs) 
Uh, okay. All right. Well, that's a, that's a great answer. I should just let the mic drop. Uh, we'll be back. Going to take a break. Come back and break down some matchups. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right. Get ready for your fantasy football matchups. Uh, you know what? I don't know. Are you gonna um, you gonna start Jameis Winston this week, Heath? <laughs> I do, come to your man's defense, Heath. <laughs> I do not want to start Jameis Winston. I, it's gonna be tough because, like, if you look at most leagues, there are three quarterbacks you could consider that are available in leagues um, to start over Jameis Winston. None of them inspire any confidence whatsoever. Uh, Andy Dalton, who just threw for 400 yards at Seattle, gets to come home and play a San Francisco defense that was decent against Jameis, but doesn't even get to go back home. Second straight road game, and they're staying somewhere in Ohio right now. Uh, then you've got Derek Carr against the Kansas City Chiefs, has been a top five fantasy quarterback in each of his last two home games against the Chiefs, and they just made Gardner Minshew look like an all-pro quarterback. So that's not a bad option. And then the third one would be Josh Allen. The problem with Josh Allen is he's just not very good. Mm. He's not. He's, he's a really poor, bad. He's a, he's a poor man's Lamar Jackson with no accuracy down the field and worse running skills. Yeah. It, <laughs> that, that's a uh, perfect description. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm all over. I don't know if you guys, you guys probably didn't hear it. It just published on, on YouTube, by the way. You can go watch this on, oh no, no, this is the, this show is not on YouTube, but, uh, it will be soon. The, um, we made a bet if Andy Dalton breaks the single game, the single season passing yards record, 
uh, Sean Wagner McGuff has to get an Andy Dalton tattoo on his shoulder. And if not, John Breach has to go down in Nashville where he lives to Jay Cutler's house and, at, and knock on his door and ask him for an autograph for Sean. So either way, we win because both situations are awkward. Uh, anybody you're not, anybody you're not starting in Carolina tonight? I'm worried about Curtis Samuel. There's not enough room for Curtis Samuel to have the breakout we, everyone is hoping for if 80% of the targets are going to Christian McCaffrey, Greg Olson, and DJ Moore, and that's what happened in week one. Okay. Uh, BMAC, what do you think about Aaron Rodgers this week? Didn't have a great week against the Bears, and he gets the Vikings. It is at home, so that's a little bit better, but the Vikings uh, did some damage uh, against uh, Matt Ryan in week one. Yeah, I have Aaron Rodgers in, the, in our fantasy league, and um, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't uh, excited about the performance, even though he did make you know some tiny plays, but didn't put up the, fan, the Aaron Rodgers-like fantasy numbers that we've seen. In years past, and then this week it doesn't get any easier with them playing the Minnesota Vikings. This is a very tough start for the Green Bay Packers offense and Aaron Rodgers uh, based on the defenses they're facing. Eventually it will slow down for them, so I'm just going to continue to ride the wave with Aaron Rodgers. He's the type of player where you can't afford to not start. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I feel like he is a must-start against any defense. And even though he did not put up the numbers he was projected to put up against the Bears, you still have to roll the dice and put him out there. Uh, in that same game, Heath, are you concerned at all about Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs? The thing that I like about them is that Aaron Rodgers is on the other side. Like I, I, I'm gonna be a, I'm not really even caring what defense those two are facing. It's more about who is the opposing quarterback, what's the opposing offense, can they score 20 points to make Minnesota throw the ball a little bit? As far as Diggs goes, it'll probably be determined by his practice on Thursday and Friday. Because his history when he's questionable and not practicing fully is terrible in fantasy. They're both number two or three wide receivers right now. I'm not excited about them. Okay. Uh, are you going to try out D.D. Westbrook this week against the Houston Texans with the aforementioned Malcher Minshew at quarterback? Absolutely. He was the number one most targeted wide receiver in Jacksonville after Minshew took over. And this Houston defense is nothing special. We saw that on Monday night. I thought he was going to be covered by Aaron Colvin, but I think they just cut him. So somebody that lost a competition to Aaron Colvin is now going to be covering D.D. Westbrook. They paid him $7.5 million for one game. Bill O'Brien is out of his mind. This guy has lost his, lost his head. So I, I expect D.D. Westbrook will be just fine. I like him better in PPR than non, but he's going to be good. Uh, BMAC, do you think, do you buy or sell the idea that TJ Hawkinson can become not baby Gronk, but maybe the next great young tight end. Oh, I'm buying it. Ooh, I'm buying it. Uh, the main reason why I'm buying uh, TJ potentially being a big threat at the tight end position because the Detroit Lions just can't run the football. They can't run the football. When they try, they, they're not successful. And for the, and most of the time, they're not trying to run the football. So that provides more opportunities for TJ to catch passes. And then also, you still got uh, Galladay and you got uh, Marvin, so you still got two experienced, respectable pass catchers that could really take some attention away from TJ, and he will get one-on-one -on -one opportunities. So I, I really like what he's doing in one of my fantasy leagues. I decided to pick him up because I had Noah Fant um, to start off on my bench as my tight end two. But I, I, I agree with what he said when he was talking about the Denver Broncos. Just I don't have a lot of faith in that offense, and I don't have a lot of faith in the quarterback play. And in totality as a team, I don't have a lot of faith in the Detroit Lions winning ball games, being competitive, 
But I have faith in Matthew Stafford doing what he's been doing over the last four or five years, which is bringing in garbage fantasy points. <laughs> that's a very good point. That's a great point. He, he, uh, he actually put up some decent fantasy points is, is, uh, before, uh, before Kyler Murray stormed back, but then he added some more after that as well. He, he is the king of garbage time. He, Kyler Murray, are you, are you riding this out? You dropping him? I dropped him for Andy Dalton. I'm not, I don't even, I dropped Jameis Winston just in general and I dropped, uh, Kyler Murray for Andy Dalton. I don't mind telling you that. I only drafted Kyler Murray once, and it's the only yeah. way that I think someone should have drafted Kyler Murray, which was as your backup with the hope that at some point you, he turns into the superstar that some think he could be. Um, so I'm going to ride it out as a backup probably through week three. I expect him to just get absolutely destroyed by the Ravens this week. I'm not going to hold this against him. You can't expect a rookie quarterback to go into Baltimore in his second career start and be good. But we'll see what he does in week three, and then I'll make a decision. All right. Uh, let's dive into some DFS. Be back. Are you playing DFS yet? Cause I, like, I, I've been talking about, like, I don't know. I'm just curious, like, the, the, the gauge of, like, who, like, are you playing, like, DraftKings and FanDuel on Sundays? Or you I have. Stuff? I'm not doing this year. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I was, I tried to talk my dad into it. He's like, does it cost money? He's like, I already gave you 10 bucks for that stupid league. <laughs> you can win money for sure. By the way, what about, my dad texted me this morning. He's like, should I add Michael Hardman? I was like, yeah, absolutely. It's a great uh, ad. And it was in the league that I'm in with him. What the hell, dad? Before we get to DFS, there's one more thing we didn't talk about that's like one of my most important things to tell people beer? this week. Beer? beer? No, it's not, it's not beer. Um, it's, it's team Geo. It's like the thing I talk about the second oh, yeah. most bes- yeah, besides beer. Giovanni Bernard was added in a few leagues overnight. As of Wednesday afternoon, he's still owning like 38% of leagues. Malcolm Brown was added more leagues. I get it. Malcolm Brown scored two touchdowns in week one. But we know if Joe Mixon does not play, Gio is going to be a top 12 running back. He's always a top 12 running back when Mixon doesn't play. And before Mixon got there, he was a top 12 running back when he got the touches. So like, if you're into holding handcuffs or somebody else's backup, you should probably pick up the backup running back that we know will be good if he gets a chance, and the starter is currently hurt. Gio Bernard or Daryl Henderson, Heath? It's Gio. Mm. Gio? Gio Bernard or Royce Freeman? It's Gio. Yeah. Gio Bernard or Miles Sanders? It's Miles Sanders, right? Well, that's where it gets difficult. Yeah. I have a hard time believing Miles Sanders is the worst player on your team, but if he is the worst player on your team, you probably don't need to start Gio this week. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and say Sanders. Would you cut Rashad Penny for Gio Bernard? Is do I have like Tevin Coleman and Joe Mixon on my team, and so I need a starting running back this week? Uh, sort of. Yes. If you need a starter, yes. Okay. Uh, would you cut Justin Jackson for Gio Bernard? If you need a starter, yes. Okay. All right. Interesting stuff. Uh, would you start Gio Bernard in DFS? As long as Joe Mixon's out, absolutely. If Joe Mixon is out, yeah, you like if Joe Mixon out, Gio's going to be like twenty five percent owned in in DraftKings, right? Maybe more. He he will be. I would ass, I would assume it will be Barkley and Gio or McCaffrey. No, hit me McCaffrey. He's not on the main slate, so probably Barkley and Gio as the chalk. Okay. Um, who else are you eyeing Heath uh, as potential values? I really like Leonard Fournette. He's under seven thousand dollars. I it wasn't a good fantasy day from Leonard Fournette, but. Mm. He got the touches. He got the targets. He was up around 90 yards. He just fumbled and didn't score a touchdown. That's okay. I don't think this matchup against Houston is much worse than the one against Kansas City. I expect him to be a top 10 back this week. 
Um, of course I'll play Geo. I'll play some Barkley at wide receiver. I think you even had this in the notes and I'm, I'm really happy that you noticed this. I have no idea how John Ross all of a sudden is more expensive than Tyler Boyd. Tyler <laughs> Boyd was a thousand yard receiver last year and like he fell in price while Ross went up. Tyler Boyd got 11 targets in that game against Seattle. Um, the cool thing is that you think I'm doing all the notes. Uh, I'm not. It's the guy sitting next to you, Debo. Outstanding work. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you think that works, BMAC? Let's say like, first of all, do you buy into the idea that John Ross is a third year receiver? You know, I mean, he was a top 10 pick. He was a good, good, really good player in Washington and good red zone threat, good deep threat. Um, do you buy into the idea that he can be the viable number one option until AJ Green comes back or is this, he has a big game and then he shrinks into sort of obscurity as Green, who, by the way, AJ Green out of a walking boot today. Uh, what do you think about that, uh, Ross and that Bengals offense? Uh, no, I'm not buying in, buying into John Ross potentially being a number one. I think best case scenario for him would be number two until AJ Green get back in. I just don't believe in him. If every game he played in the, in, in the Cincinnati Bengal uniform was in the state of Washington, then yes. It's something about <laughs> playing there where he, he plays lights out, but he's just too inconsistent. Uh, before that touchdown, right before halftime, remember he dropped a huge opportunity on a crossing route. It's just his hands are so inconsistent. And I think as he continues to play well, he will get more attention from defenses. And I don't know if he's ready to handle that yet. So me personally, it's, it's almost if you anticipate John Ross showing up like a number one receiver, I think you will be more, you will be disappointed more times than excited. Um, when you look at your contrarian plays, Heath, who, uh, who stands out to you as a potential zig while they zag play? You, I see these two names and you're a disgusting human being for this situation. Say the, just say the names. Say Adrian the names. Peterson and Chris Thompson. He's all in on the Redskins. I am not all in on the Redskins, but what, what do we know about the past two years of Adrian Peterson when, when quite frankly, he's turned into a bit of a slug, but when he has fresh legs, and when he has motivation, he has been very, very good. And then he plays a couple of weeks, and he gets tired, and he remembers that he's almost as old as Vernon Davis, and he turns back into a pumpkin. But I, like, he was just a healthy scratch, and now he's going to be the starter. He hasn't played football in a long time, so his legs are fresh, and he's facing a Cowboys defense that gave up more than 10 yards per attempt to Saquon Barkley. Maybe and, maybe Peterson could be half of that. And BMAC, Adrian Peterson, I think in the back of his mind, always thinks that Jerry Jones was going to sign him but never did because he ended up landing Zeke. Do you think that motivates him? Uh, if that's true, yes, <laughs> it would. I think the best, the best situation for Adrian Peterson, I just don't trust Darius Geis being healthy. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, I mean, he's out for this week, right? I mean, like, I don't know if he's actually been ruled out. Heath, I could be wrong. He's out. He's, I mean, he's going to miss this week. Yes, they, they said they hope to get, they, the, the best case scenario, I believe, was getting him back the following week. I don't think that's going to happen. And I'm not like suggesting people start him in their regular leagues, but on FanDuel, his price fell to 4,800 because he was a healthy scratch. Mm-hmm. So you get a running back for less than $5,000. It's probably going to get 15 plus touches against a team that just got gashed against the run. Now, those are my, that's my running backs. Um, at wide receiver, I'm going to go right back to D.D. Westbrook. I have no problem with that at all. And I think you should go back to Juju. Yes. 
I, I'm doing. A, I might. I might. I might fire Ben Roethlisberger is fifty eight hundred bucks against against a Steelers. I mean, against a Seahawks defense that Andy Dalton and John Ross just carved up. Like I love the idea of a Ben Roethlisberger Juju Smith Schuster stack this week. Yeah. Is that crazy? Am I crazy? No, that's not. That's nah, not crazy at all. Home opener. Home opener. Uh, I'm going against a defense that uh, in the secondary you have a lot of question marks now. Will they be able to protect Big Ben? That's the bigger, bigger concern, in my opinion. You do you think that offensive line is going to be a problem with no Mike Munchak? I don't think they will be as good. Okay. Uh, I think they will. They will be good because of the experience and the chemistry they have, but. I mean, Munchak is one of the best offensive guys, offensive-minded guys in the league, and not having him clearly, you know, is a drop-off than if you did have him. Uh, Heath, meanwhile, is going for the uh, the classic Mitchell Trubisky stack as his contrarian play. What on earth are you thinking with this move, Heath? Okay, I understand Mitchell Trubisky was really bad, and it was an island game. I think we even talked about it before the game, how it felt really silly with all eyes on Mitchell Trubisky to be saying that I thought he was going to have a good game. And then he fell flat on his face. <laughs> flat, but that's flat like, face. it's not that much different than Jameis Winston. Really? They have huge games. They have terrible games. And the key, when you're looking at a contrarian tournament play is finding a guy that you believe has that huge game potential that nobody else wants to play. Probably because he stunk last week. That's exactly what you get with Trubisky. This Broncos defense doesn't scare me at all. They looked awful against the. They couldn't even get a hand on Derek Carr. I I like it a lot. I don't remember seeing Von Miller on the field. Now it was like one in the morning Eastern time, and I was sort of blacked out, not on like beer or anything, just blacked out from being tired. But you know, I just don't remember seeing Von Miller. Uh, tight ends. Last one. You got George Kittle. George Kittle two two touchdowns. Both of them called back by penalty. Grow up, 49ers. <laughs> it, it was, uh, it was a bit of a problem, but yeah, I, I expect, listen, the, the big thing for Kittle, and I thought his target share might actually come down a little bit this year because they added Debo Samuel. They went and added Jalen Hurd. They've got running backs that can catch the ball. Everybody's either getting hurt or they're in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. Well, they're back to throwing the ball 35% of the time to George Kittle. He's actually my number one tight end this week ahead of Travis Kelsey, regardless of price. And he's cheaper than Kelsey. So I'll take Kittle. Okay. Uh, you've also got Evan Ingram on there, 14 targets in week one, Sterling Shepard out. Uh, would you, would you, what do you think about this Giants offense, BMAC? Is it too early to go to Daniel Jones? Uh, are they, are they just kind of flopping around with Eli and, and do you like Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard? Cody Latimer? I mean, Saquon Barkley, obviously a stud. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's too early because they've been building up Eli to be their guy the entire offseason. Um, the entire team played bad um, Sunday. Let's keep it real. I mean, their defense just couldn't get any stops. That was a big that was a big issue for the Dallas. Uh, I mean, the New York Giants because they offense couldn't get enough possessions because the defense couldn't get any stops. And then when they did, um, they didn't sustain drives. They were in and out. So I think. Eli, even though he didn't put up crazy good numbers, I mean, he didn't throw any interceptions. He had over 300 yards for, uh, uh, he had 306 yards to be exact with one touchdown. Um, you know, 44 attempts, 30 completions. So it wasn't like he just played bad, bad ball, but he just didn't have enough opportunities. And then Saquon didn't get enough opportunities, only 11 carries. But to answer your, your second question, as far as pass catchers, the only guy that I really trust, 
in this offense is Evan Ingram. I love Evan Ingram because he's so versatile. And Eli loves him also because he had 14 targets. 14 targets at the tight end position. Eli, that tells me that Eli does not quite trust the outside pass catchers. And if, you are, if you're if you an Evan Ingram fantasy owner of, of, of his, you love that because if he's – I don't expect for him to see 14 targets every game, but if he can be anywhere between that 12 – to nine target range. That's a plus. I don't remember what podcast it was, whether it was the Fantasy Football Today podcast, which you should subscribe to because it's fantastic and features Heath, Dave, Richard, uh, Jamie Eisenberg, and Adam Mazur, or whether it was this podcast. But at one point when I was down in Fort Lauderdale, Heath, we were in that room. Maybe it was during the live draft, and we were debating Evan Ingram or Hunter Henry. And, uh, you know, the answer is Evan Ingram, even even without the injury, I think. The answer is definitely Evan Ingram now. We'll never know. Yeah. I think I was, may have been on the Hunter Henry side. And so I think now, you and I were on Hunter Henry. Uh, we we will that. never have to claim defeat or admit defeat because Hunter Henry got hurt. That's right. Uh, okay. Vernon Davis, by the way, is Heath's contrarian play at the uh, tight end position, as we mentioned earlier. Make sure and follow Heath on Twitter at Heath Cummings Senior. Uh, follow BMAC at BMAC underscore sports talk. Oh, uh, by the way, we were miss. I know BMAC's been dying to hear beer talk. Uh, incredible. Triple hot IPA that a, a good friend of mine, Pat, hooked me up with from the Vale Brewing in Richmond called Master Shredder. It has pictures of, uh, I have to explain this to my wife. She's like, we just shut up and go away. Uh, pictures of, uh, rats playing air guitar as an, as an homage to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the, uh, on the can, which is always fun. B-Bax's looking at me like, what, what am I doing here? This is, this. um, Heath, any good beers you got from this week? I, not really, but I did just sign up for an event the first weekend of October. It is a beer 3K, and I 3K, you, you run yeah. the 3K, and there are beers along the way for you to stop, drink the beer, and then run some more. So I'm looking forward to that. It's uh, I believe it's Steam Horse Brewing that's going to be are, providing the beer for that. Are you going to stay true to your hashtag brand and drink porters and stouts throughout this run? I, 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 I believe the stations only have certain beers there. Uh, I would prefer to because the race, it's like at eight, eight in the morning. And so like, there's no better breakfast beer than a porter or a stout, but I'm just going to drink whatever they put in my hand. Nothing like South Florida in September chugging some stouts at 8 a.m. on a, on a run. <laughs> BMAC, what's your, uh, what's your, you got to go to, do you, do, do you, do you ever go to beer? Do you do you drink? Do I, do I forget? I can't nah, remember. I, I don't drink. That's right. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you in, you included me in this beer conversation, even though I don't drink. So I feel I, a part of the family. I was I was I was like <laughs> I was trying to flash back quickly to being in Atlanta down in the down where we got dinner after our uh, or Nashville after our uh, our draft show. And I was like, that's right. BMAC doesn't drink, but the question was already out of my mouth. So my apologies. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, that's probably that's probably why you look slimmer in the midsection than I do. Uh, that or you're a professional athlete. But either way, <laughs> uh, in the meantime, uh, subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Make sure and check out our Facebook group. It's a private group. You can go in there and ask fantasy questions, and I will come in there and answer them personally, which may or may not hurt you or help you. Uh, thanks, guys. It's been a, fl- it's been a blast. 